Welcome to the Touchdown Rundown. We talk about the NFL, which we're doing today, late on a Sunday night, right before Sunday night football begins. Uh, we're going to do our classic uh, instant reaction show, so we're going to go over every single game of the week uh, and give our thoughts about what it means for the larger picture of both the season and the playoffs, as you know, we kind of see teams jockeying for playoff spots. And we begin to for some teams, we really don't actually understand what they are at all. And for some teams, we're kind of figuring out what they are. So, you know, we're going to try and figure out what we think really matters. What's the important takeaway? Um, so, Tony, let's kick it over and begin with probably the most disappointing game of the day. If you're a Falcons fan, because uh, as the broadcasters noted, the Falcons are four and four and felt like they were on the upswing. And then they got absolutely shellacked by the Cowboys. For the Cowboys, they had a get right game after a weird loss against Denver. And, uh, yeah, so 43-3, I have to imagine this is kind of what you expected, Tony. So, you know, what's the key takeaway from this one for both? Uh, I would say that there's not there's not really a takeaway that we didn't expect, right? So going into this game, I know on our last show when we were talking about this one, Campbell called in and he said, this is a, this is a game that you have to, have to win as the Cowboys because if you lose back-to-back ones against – fairly poor teams and you're not looking good so this needed to be kind of a dominant win and that's exactly what they brought today this is the Cowboys team uh that we were kind of expecting coming into the season and we were talking throughout this week with Campbell in our group chat about you know why did everybody highlight the Cowboys losing to the Broncos more than you know other great teams losing to poor teams it seemed to be a trend last week and we were kind of just speculating as to why and tonight I think I it clicked for me at least that it was the most focused on game because the Cowboys were the best team that lost to the worst team. So this is the Cowboys team that we expect 43 points, not allowing many points at all, just solid all around the ball. And we didn't see that last week. That's why it was so talked about because it was so surprising. It was so much more surprising than any other team that lost uh, that was supposed to win. So I think this is the Cowboys that we continue to see and they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. For the Falcons, I think the takeaway here is that, you know, despite what the broadcasters said, at 4-4, four four, you are not a legitimate contender or a playoff team on, on the upswing. Sorry, Chase, I know this one probably hurts a little bit uh, as a Falcons fan. But yeah, I mean, I didn't expect 43-3, to three, but I definitely expected the Cowboys to win this one handily. And so, you know, in a, in a week, uh, in a weekend, I should say, where only the Carolina Panthers won in the NFC South, the Falcons at the very least, can be comforted knowing that they didn't lose a ton of ground uh, this weekend, with the exception of, of course, to the Panthers, who maybe are going to make a playoff push, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, let's say we're on over to the next MSC South team that lost. Uh, it was the Saints in a really close one, actually. 21-23, the Saints had a chance to score a two-point conversion that would have sent the game to overtime, failed to get it, onside kick, you know, failed to recover if the Titans blow out the clock and won it. Uh, Tony, you were talking to me in the in our private chat are the Titans better without Derrick Henry? And it feels like a really odd question because I guarantee you three weeks ago, we would have said, no, they're horrible without Derrick Henry. And here we are, we're sitting at with a 2-0 Titans team. They've beaten two respectable opponents, I would say. Um, you know, do you, do you think Derrick Henry is A, overvalued, and B, you know, are the Titans, are the Titans going to be okay without Derrick Henry? I think the Titans are going to absolutely be okay. And we're, like you said, we were kind of talking about this and, I kind of had my suspicions a little bit that Derrick Henry might be severely overvalued by the league just because everybody automatically defaults to, oh, the Titans, their whole offense is Derrick Henry because he gets the ball more than anybody else. But you take him away, they've now beat the they beat the Rams last week, 
and now they beat the Saints. The Rams had a top 10 defense. Saints are like number two or three, I think. So this is not a poor team if you take Derrick Henry away. Now their rushing game's not great. Their best averaging running back today that actually had a decent amount of carries averaged 2.7 yards per carry. That was Dante Foreman, uh, 11 carries for 30 yards. So their rushing game is not all that. But Tannehill, 19 of 27 for 213, a touchdown, no interceptions against one of the best defenses in the league. Tannehill can sling the ball. I've been saying this since last year. Tannehill is severely underrated by people in the league just because he gets so overshadowed by Derrick Henry. Now the defense kind of looks like they're shaping up as well. Obviously, Trevor Simeon uh, is, I don't think he's quite as good as Jameis Winston. Uh, He's done way better than I thought he would do up until this point, but still not quite as good. So there is that credit for the Saints, but the Titans are a very good team without Derrick Henry. And I think it's because teams just aren't game planning for let's just pound the run every single time. Now they actually have to think about what are they going to do now that they don't have him and they can throw. Uh, And of course they have AJ Brown. They would have Julio Jones if he wasn't on IR, Uh, but they have a decent amount of receivers that are doing really, really good things. So I think this team's going to be. I am going to disagree with you a little bit because I think that, you know, Deontay Harris had the only, I believe turnover of the game, Uh, neither quarterback had an interception and the Saint and the Titans, while they did have a few fumbles, they recovered both of them. So Deontay Harris only lost fumbles. I would say that, you know, this could be a very, different game that same fumble the titans were able to score so you know i mean i know that's a credit to the defense but at the same time if the margin is just one turnover is you know in a two-point game where the where it could have been a tied game you know the fumble gave kind of the titans the edge i'm gonna say that they're good but i think we're going to see uh nfl teams adjust to the derrick henryless Tennessee Titans so I think they're good I think they're going to be okay they're eight and two so they can lose a couple of games right the near the, the next closest team are the five and five Colts um but I would say I don't I think they'll be okay but I think that they should be maybe a little concerned yeah I mean I don't think that they are per se better without Derrick Henry the player but they're less they're a lot harder to game plan for and that's huge people don't really think about that that is a huge thing when the coaching staff on the other sideline doesn't really know what you're going to do next, whereas they pretty much know you're going to run it on most downs with him in the game. So do I think that they are the Super Bowl contenders that I previously thought at the beginning of the season? No, I don't. But I do think that this is a good team without Derrick Henry, and they'll get to the playoffs. They might win a game or two. I don't think they're going to win anything major, but this team will be okay, and they are okay without I mean, that's kind of where, I, like, I guess where I'm disagreeing with you a little bit is that you're saying that teams don't know how to game plan and they're going to figure out how to game plan. Like, it, it, it's at some point in the near future, teams are going there. You know, the sample size of information that they have against the Titans is increasing without Derrick Henry. So I think they're going to be able, they're going to be able to figure out how to game plan. Like this team. Yeah, is, they'll figure it out, but it's it's a lot harder now than it would be with, for, you know, just for now, it. though. I think it, well, I, I think, think that's just no matter change. what, like just in general, even if they do figure out the Titans they're either going to figure out the Titans now or they're not going to, to some extent. I think that they they're will. They're going to figure them out. Like, I think that they will. Figured, yeah. Belichick figured out the Browns without a rushing attack. And we just saw, despite not having all of their running backs in the game, you know, the, the Browns are able to select the Bengals and the Patriots went and turned around and made the Browns into the Bengals. That's true. But I think the Titans are probably the only team that runs the ball more than the Browns. So, I mean, they're I just the such a are, one-dimensional team with I think the Derrick Browns are Henry. the leaders. 
I mean, they might be just because they, they have black backs that they can split with, but like just one single back running the ball every time. Derrick Henry is obviously he's taking, he's running away with the, uh, the carries, I guess, lead in the league before his injury. Oh. He had like 60 more than anybody else. So I, that, I guess that's what I'm saying is that they were so much more one dimensional with him just because they pounded the ball so much more with one guy. Now they have to at least somewhat figure out, you know, are they going to throw it? Who are they going to throw it to? Maybe they keep trying to run it with AP. Like it's not just strictly one dimensional. I mean, yeah, I mean, they do lead the league in rushing attempts, but my thing is that, you know, right now you don't know what they're going to do, but I'm telling you teams are going to figure out what they're going to do. Um, but anyway, we're probably spending a little bit too much time on, you know, our team's going to be able to game playing against the Titans. Let's hop on over there to their game, which featured two divisional foes, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, the Jags went on the road after defeating the bills in probably the weirdest six to nine game that will ever be played. Uh, they lost the Colts 17, 23, Tony, the Colts are now five and five. Um, they can definitely make a playoff push. I think we both agree that they're probably going to end up being a wild card team just because the Titans are eight and two. Um, do you think that the Colts are a playoff caliber team that they're going, you know, that they can make the playoffs because they're five and five, but they've had a really easy stretch of games now that they've capitalized. I really am disappointed in the Colts. To be totally honest with you, Trevor Lawrence was pretty bad. No surprise there. Uh, their rushing game was pretty good. Obviously Jamal Agnew kind of, you know, lit the league up. I guess lit the game up, I should say. One touchdown, he was averaging 26.3 yards per carries. That is a little skewed when you have three carries, so I'll say that. But the rushing game was the only thing that kind of kept them scoring in this game. Trevor Lawrence wasn't doing it. And the Colts just simply couldn't capitalize it. And here's what I'm going to say. Kind of going off of the Titans, I think that Jonathan Taylor is more valuable to the Colts than Derrick Henry is to the Titans after the past two weeks, what we've seen that the Titans can do. Because I think you take Jonathan Taylor away from this Colts team, they aren't even going to beat the Jags. We've seen Terry Henry away from the Titans. They beat the Rams and the Saints. So I think if you are a Colts fan right now, you are thanking your lucky stars you have Jonathan Taylor because he is the pretty much the only reason you won. Yeah, I definitely don't disagree with that. He is incredibly valued. Like his displayed value to me is someone whose kind of job it is to go and find value in obscure places. He has absolutely cemented himself as an incredibly valuable player. Uh, Carson Wentz like an average game like i mean i know he had the better rating than lawrence but they both were pretty mediocre um i think the the difference is that the colts were home and the colts have the better supporting staff around carson Wentz. so i was definitely i was definitely disappointed in this one like i mean the colts went up 17-6 and then it was 20 to 9 uh at halftime and you know they absolutely let the jaguars just climb back into there and make it a really uncomfortable game so, yeah, I, I'm disappointed by the Colts. I think that I have said ever since very early on in the season where the Colts had a losing record for the first, like, three or four weeks of the season, I said they weren't going to make the, the playoffs. I stand by that just because we're now seeing the Patriots surge, and we have so many weird teams. Like, you know, we have the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers. Those are three teams that can all make the playoffs right now, and they have a better record than the Colts are, um, you know, or we'll have a, the same record as the Colts. You know, they have to factor in the Browns, the Steelers. I think the Colts are probably the worst of the the right on the edge playoff teams would you agree with that oh yeah i i'm with you where i i don't think the colts are really going to make it which sucks for me to say because i i do believe i had the colts winning the division uh in the off season so there is that that's tough but i do think five and five this is kind of the peak of what we're going to see from the colts i mean if you can barely squeak out a win against the jags you are not looking to be 
Well, you you say that about the Bills, but the Bills just you know thrash the Jets. But that that's a, that's a, hey, the Bills aren't a very good team. I- all right, that's a that'll be really fascinating to see playoff. Um, I mentioned them earlier exactly to do this to set up my next segue to the next game. You have the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they were hot off a game against the the Cincinnati Bengals. They seem to be kind of like they could potentially run away with the division. Well, not run away with the division, but you know compete with the Baltimore Ravens for the division. Instead, they get absolutely pounded by the New England Patriots, seven to forty five. Browns on the road. They were an incredibly short staffed team. The only running backs that they used in the game were Dearness Johnson. Uh, and then uh, Johnny Stanton, shout out to Dearness Johnson. He absolutely balled out in terms of, you know, playing a really good defense. And he earned me some fantasy points that I desperately needed um, because for some reason, Matt Ryan decided to put up a negative fantasy points performance, which is just somehow depressing to me. Um, but Tony, the, the Patriots, you know, in my column last week in the Observer, I pegged the Patriots as a team that is arguably the best in the AFC East. You know what, that that felt a little controversial to say at the time, but they are now, they just beat the Browns 45-7, um, you know, and the Browns are a good caliber team. And you saw the Bills put up a, a worse performance, arguably, against the New York Jets, who we know not to be good. And they were aided by four turnovers. Um, so do you think that the Patriots are the best team in the AFC East? Well, I guess I got to say, first off, you said you started Ernest Johnson in your fantasy. Congratulations. Would you go so far as to say that he earned you some fantasy points, Tom? Oh, he absolutely earned <laughs> me some fantasy points. I, I applaud you. I'm, I'm getting you. You're making, you're making horrible puns. <laughs> All right. Well, as ashamed of that as I am, I do have to say that can we just go ahead and give Mac Jones the Offensive Rookie of the Year and the uh, Rookie of the Year okay, just on, at the same on, time on, right on. now? Okay, we did an awards show like a quarter of the way through the season, and we said Jamar Chase cannot be touched. Are we already Are we already going back on that? We're yeah. already going back. Yep. Oh, my God. The, quarter, I'm absolutely the quarterback bias that. is so strong. He's a historically great rookie wide receiver. Okay, this He is, was okay, three okay, weeks this is, ago. Okay, this is a conversation for another episode because this is going to be in a, probably the next touchdown uh, rundown showdown. Uh, but back to the Patriots. Do you think that they're better than the Bills? Because you just said that you thought the Bills aren't a great yes. team. Yes. I absolutely do. And if nothing else, it's because of coaching staff. I got I mean, Belichick has shown multiple times this year that I'm, and I'm not trying to say that the Patriots defense is bad and Belichick is carrying them. That is absolutely not true. The Patriots defense is it's pretty good overall. Like there's the talent they have. They can win games and hold opponents to very low scores with a lot of different coaches, but Belichick has really stepped them up. And I guess it, it looks a little bit not as impressive now after we've seen the Tampa Bay bucks kind of fall off a little bit, but they did almost win that game when to be perfectly honest with you on paper, they were outmatched in every single category there is. So the Belichick defense has been phenomenal for this team. And I think that they are the best defense in the NFC East, better than the Bills for sure. Uh, And I think that with Mac Jones and this offense, I think that they can outshoot the Bills. Like Stephon Diggs has fallen off this year. He hasn't, he's not leading the league or anywhere close like he was. Josh Allen's quietly had a very good year, uh, but hasn't been anything too crazy. Mac Jones is starting to take some shots. I did notice that today. He took a, a couple of pretty deep balls, and he actually connected on all of them. So I was very impressed to see that. And I do think that if Mac Jones continues to fry and the Belichick defense continues to work like it has for the past 20-odd year, 20-some-odd years, the Patriots are the best team in the AFC East. Clip it and ship. 
Yeah, I'll definitely clip that. I agree. I mean, I was really astounded uh, by this result, not because it's just it was it's crazy, but it's because I held the Browns in a fairly high estimation. I know they're short staff, but that defense, the way it played against the Bengals, you would not think that it would then allow 45 points. I know that's probably what happens when your offense is not firing off on all cylinders, but still 45 to seven is incredibly astounding result given that these two teams had the same record coming into this game. Uh, Tony for the Browns. I mean, they're obviously competing in a hard division. They did get that key win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and we're talking about a crowded AFC, uh, AFC conference where a wild card is going to be really hard to come by. Do you think the Browns are going to miss the playoffs because of kind of both of both a combination of injuries and now just tough losses? I mean, it's entirely possible. If you look at the AFC North, the Browns are dead last, sitting at five and five. The Bengals are one. The Bengals are one spot ahead. Steelers two. Ravens leading uh, the division at six and three. So, even though the Browns are last, this could flip in a single week. This whole thing could flip. The Browns could go to number one uh, or number two. I think they could technically go to. It would take two weeks for them to go to number one. But this is a very, very close division. So, I think it's too early to say that they will miss. But it's looking that it's looking like that's going to happen. 538 gives them the worst probability of making the playoffs in the AFC North at 38%, which is still a pretty good po- probability. Um, but yeah, they they are in a tough spot. Um, now, let's hop on over. You said Stephon Diggs. He's kind of disappeared. I have bad news for you. He kind of went off in this Bills game. He had eight receptions for 162 yards and one touchdown. So, you know, a little bit of a resurgent game. Uh, you know, they won this one 45-17. They were largely aided by Mike White, who kind of crashed back to earth like a meteor. He went 24-44 for 250 yards, but four interceptions. So, uh, you know, the Bills get their bounce back game. I know you said that you think that the Patriots are the better team in the division, but, you know, does this performance change anything about that? Congratulations, you smoked the Jets. You know who else did that? The Patriots by a wider margin. It doesn't mean anything. Josh Allen had a good night. He did throw a pick, but other than that, he was very clean. Thank God Stephon Diggs did something. I started him in fantasy, and I have been starting him in fantasy, which is why I know he's dropped off so much this year from last year. I was almost, I almost benched him this week. I would have been ticked if I did that. But he finally did something like we saw last year. It was against the Jets, who, in fairness, the Jets do not have a bad passing defense. They're actually top 10, I think, uh, in the passing category. Mike White just fell apart, came crashing back to earth. All of his stock is gone. Sell it right now. The Jets aren't going anywhere. I do think that the Bills are a not a great team, a good team. I think the Patriots are. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Uh, now, I'm not going to call him Josh Allen because he obviously lost the battle of the Josh Allens last week when the Buffalo Bills played the Jaguars. So I'll call him Joshua Allen. Um, after Tom Brady had a really bad game that, quite frankly, removes him from the MVP conversation for the time being, you think Joshua Allen is now the clear front runner because he kind of did, he didn't have a great performance, but he was able to survive, I suppose? I don't think. Oh, let's get Campbell in here. I think Campbell's going to say what I want to say. You know, Tom, uh, great question, but, you know, I do hate to break it to you because there's a guy. No, I'm going to quote Chris Collinsworth just because, you know, it's about to be Sunday Night Football. But here's a guy in Arlington, Texas, who is definitely back in the driver's seat now in the MVP spot just because I literally think it came down just because he did throw an interception today in an absolute 
dominant win over a better team than the Jets today. I think Dakota Rain Prescott is now your league leader for MVP after today. Um, Josh Allen is very close. Tremendous game from him today. But I think I'm going to have to roll with, uh, with, uh, with my boy Dakota um, as the, uh, the MVP face. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. Tony, do you agree with that? Do you think it's, it's Prescott? Oh, yeah, I think it's Prescott and then, and then Allen, I guess, maybe. I'm kind of just looking at the stats right now. To be totally honest with you, I think I would go Dak and then Brady still. Just, just stat-wise, if you look overall, obviously he had a poor game today, and I will say he did get some – he had some good luck definitely at points, but he had some bad luck. One of those picks was off the hands of a receiver. That wasn't his fault. Again, there needs to be a stat to track that. But Brady does have 27 touchdowns uh, so far this year. He's leading by four. Uh, Prescott has 25 interceptions, so I think I would still take Dak over Brady right now, but I think I'd do Dak, Brady, Stafford, then Allen at like fourth. Yeah, tough for Joshua. Um, speaking of tough, I think there's a, a the NFL should apologize. They need to put out a a press release, put it on their Twitter, put it on their Instagram, put it on their Facebook. Like if they have a social media outlet, it needs to be here. They need to apologize for lions at Steelers because that's just horrendous. That, that was a football. Like I believe a great analogy was put forth. I don't remember who it was, but someone on ESPN said that if aliens came down and wanted to take away football, I would show them this game uh, as proof that they shouldn't take away football. And I think that's exactly what Lions-Steelers does. It's just a horrendous game. Neither team wanted to win it. I don't think either team actually was interested in winning this one. And it went to overtime, and you know it ended up as a tie. Tony, the Lions, they avoid going 0-17. Is there anything you really take away from this one, though? Because, obviously, um, you know the Steelers were without Ben Roethlisberger. The only takeaway I have from this game is that Jared Goff is awful. I just don't, and I mean, I, I knew that going into this year, but it's just further reaffirming that Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. His own coach, Dan Campbell, has said that he needs to step up and do something. I think that the team wanted to win. Goff just held them back, and the Steelers, they they did what they could with Mason Rudolph. He didn't have a terrible performance, 242, one touchdown, one interception. Not the worst thing in the world. Najee had a pretty good day, 105 yards on 26 carries, so there are players that had good performances and I think the lions would have had this if golf wasn't so terrible all the time, almost took a safety uh, on that one that he should have just gotten rid of. He threw another one of those lefty balls that definitely should not have been caught. So I just think golf is not a good quarterback and is holding this team back. I think if you replace golf, they get maybe two or three wins. I mean, that's, that's why, LA departed with Goff, right? Goff was holding the Rams back, and I don't disagree with their decision. Uh, before we get Campbell in, Tony, I want to talk about Mason Rudolph. Do you think he's, like, he didn't have a great game by any means, but that Steelers offense is also fairly poor. Um, so do you think that it's something about the the offense itself, or do you think it was Rudolph's performance? Because I think that, you know, for once, Roethlisberger actually was sorely missed by the Steelers, whereas he's often bemoaned as a liability. Well, and I guess to that, I would say, was Roethlisberger really that missed? I mean, if you were to black out Mason Rudolph and scribble in Ben Roethlisberger and show me the stat line of 30 completions, 50 attempts, 242 yards, a touchdown and an interception, I would look at that and say, yeah, that looks about right for Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he hasn't been anything special. He hasn't been great. 
maybe it would have been one of his poorer nights, but it's nothing. I could definitely see this being a Ben Roethlisberger stat. Like, I don't think Rudolph did that bad. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a number for you just as a second, just in a second. Um, but Campbell, come on, uh, come on aboard. Yeah, just wanted to add to the quick Lions uh, uh, Steelers dialogue in terms of QB play. Question for you, Tony. So yeah, I'm totally in on the you know Jared Goff. I really don't think is that good. But do you think the weather today had anything to do with that? It was extremely wet. I think both guys played pretty bad. And overtime, Jared Goff was most definitely not the issue. Um, I think that's probably where he actually played his best football was in the overtime. Um, but do you think the weather had anything to do with that um, just today necessarily um, or kind of the system he has around him? I mean, their best receiver is Amon Ross St. Brown, who um, is, uh, you know, a rookie who, you know, is I think that's their best receiver, right? Correct me if I'm wrong there, boys, but I'm pretty sure that's kind of the best guy he's got out there. But um, I think so. Just looking at their receiving core, he's the only guy I really even recognize. Yeah. I mean, TJ Hawkins, they didn't even get TJ Hawkinson involved in the game. He had zero reception, zero yards. So th- I think there. they definitely they definitely need to get him in the game. He can catch. He's a good blocking tight end. He can catch. He can make plays. I don't know why they didn't get him in there. Uh, but I, I And I, to your question, Campbell, I do think the weather did play a part. Weather always plays a part. If you have an outdoor stadium and it's going to be wet like this, absolutely. You're going to have to find ways to get around that and uh, not to kind of jump to games here. But I also think that when we get to the, uh, the Packers game tonight, that was a big thing for Russell. So you always have to think like weather was definitely an impactor here, but when you're an NFL starting quarterback, you practice wet ball drills. If you were a team that plays in an outdoor stadium, you practice in practices all the time, especially in the off season for all sorts of different weather conditions. So they'll, they'll take, footballs and they'll dunk them in buckets of water and have the guy throw them so yes the weather had a factor but you are also practicing for it all the time so you got you have to give them a little bit credit for that but you can't be you can't be too generous with it yeah and then last thing i'll add too is i'm definitely with you on the the mason rudolph thing today i think he probably played his equivalent of a stat line in game as big ben probably would have done himself um but uh he's definitely not good i mean a uh, couple i mean Jeez, man. I mean, they just – I just could not believe how willingly, willy-nilly they were, I mean, with turning the ball over in overtime, man. I mean, good Lord. They, they would have won the game if Frymuth didn't fumble it out of bounds. It was right there. Yeah, that's – it was, it was crazy it really to watch. Oh, my, oh God, yeah. It was, it was tough to see. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely think they, Big Ben wasn't <laughs> – I don't think he would have done something crazy to win that game there at all. But um, Mason Rudolph probably – probably isn't the guy <laughs> that they're uh, they're waiting on after this year. No. But, uh, yeah, tough game for that, those two teams today. I feel I feel bad for Dan Campbell. He just wants to win a, free, a football game, man. He just wants to one one he just wants one game. That's all he wants and the guys can't do it. All right, so let me hop on there while you guys were talking. I thank you for that. Uh, I was running some numbers on Zelo Tony. You were absolutely right. You're spot on. Uh, Zelo rewards Ben Roethlisberger as being a 147.3 quarterback whereas uh, Mason Rudolph is 153.8. So you're right. Now it's pretty comparable. Um, let's flip over to the Lions. So that was an interesting question is who is the Lions best receiver? You guys did cite Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, we, we talked about him in, in a prior show because we compared him to Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and that was a 27.3 receiver. Zelo would tell you that uh, he's not actually the best receiver. It's Khalif Raymond, who's the best pure receiver uh, at 42. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Never heard of him. I'll be totally honest with you. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, kind of the goal of the model, right? Um, <laughs> speaking of really bad performances, um, let's hop over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tony, I'm sure you've got a great Tom Brady take lined up. Uh, Washington was able to win this one 29-19. So, yeah, Tampa Bay definitely struggled. Tom Brady was a huge reason as to why. Two interceptions on the day. I know that they weren't totally all his fault, but still, you know, Heineke had a better outing than Brady did in both yardage and interceptions and, quite frankly, accuracy too. So, you know, do with that what you will. Uh, Heineke, Heineke seems to play his best football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I'm I'm actually not going to kill Brady on this one. I don't think he had that bad of a day, to be totally honest with you. He wasn't terribly inaccurate. He wasn't, he, this obviously wasn't his best performance or anything. 220 yards, not a whole lot. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. At least one of them were not his fault. Uh, I can't remember the second one off the top of my head. That one might have been his fault. But I do remember that first one was right through a receiver's hands. It was an on-target ball, so I can't really cite him for that. Heineke was very, very accurate today. He did have slightly more yards, but I guess the one thing that I do really want to cite, and I think that this is what decided the game, was time of possession was nearly 2-1. to one. Washington had the ball for 39 minutes and 8 seconds, whereas the Bucks actually only had it for 20 minutes and 52 seconds. So they had it for almost an extra 19 game minutes. And uh, I think if you were to split that even, you would see a much better performance from Brady. Obviously, you can't do that. That doesn't – you can't actually do that. So credit to the Washington football team for stringing together good drives, long drives that eat up clock. Uh, and the Bucks just couldn't get it done today. It was a pretty poor f- performance. Uh, as a team, if I'm the Bucks, I'm concerned because, frankly, on paper, this is one of the most dominant teams in NFL history. And they simply, at six and three, you're just not getting it done like you should. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, credit to Washington here for that that defense, right? Like we've kind of talked about Washington as one of the defenses that you and I have pegged as a top five unit in the NFL, and it's just absolutely fallen off of a cliff. Uh, I was listening to an NFL podcast, the Mina Kimes show, uh, where she was talking to an ex-NFL player. He said that position groups are typically given, should be given eight to 10 weeks to really gel together. And that's why he thinks that the Washington football team is improving its defense. So I think that's interesting and something worth keeping an eye on. Um, But yeah, I mean, so if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're six and three, you lead your division. You have, uh, I believe, you know, you have that, that loss to the Saints. You have, uh, I believe you swept the Falcons already. You're sitting at six and three. The Saints are behind you at five and four. And the, the Panthers, who you have yet to play, are sitting behind you at five and five. Are you worried about the division at all if you're the, if you're the Buccaneers? Or is that a bit, a bit too much of a, a knee-jerk reaction? Uh, honestly, I would be. Because I do think that if these teams played again today, I think the Saints would win it, even with uh, Trevor Simeon at quarterback. This team simply has not been what we thought it would be. I thought this team had the potential to go 17 and 0 or 16 and 1, like of that caliber of team. You go and you win the Super Bowl, you get the chemistry right in the postseason when it matters the most. Everything was cooking perfectly as it needed to be. You re-sign all of those guys, every single one to come back. So the chemistry should already be there. Maybe you give them two or three weeks to kind of get back into game mode. Whatever, that's fine. But this team should be so much more dominant than it is. Losing to the Washington football team at three and six now, it's just it's an inexcusable thing when your team is this good on paper. I don't think it falls on Brady today. I don't think it falls on Leonard Fournette. I do think that the Washington football team just played really, really good defense and had Taylor Heineke had a great game on offense as well. Uh, obviously, T's and P's to Chase Young. He, uh, I think he tore his ACL, is what it was reported. So he's probably he's got to be out for the rest of the season. So that's going to be a huge loss for Washington. But 
overall, the team played very well today. Yeah, I know that's horrible. Injuries, you really do hate to see them, and you hate to see a team that's finally gelling together. They, they come on such a good performance, and then they lose such a critical piece to their team. Um, I really do feel like this one is just kind of like how the AFC, we just don't know who's a good team. Like, we know the Titans are a good team, and then that is it. Um, and we keep having this weird, you know, we have these weird games where the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills. We kind of had the reverse of that today in the NFC um, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing to the Washington football team. And speaking of games where uh, one team, you know, played way differently than I expected it to, it's the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Chargers. Because the one week I pick the Chargers and the one week I pick against the Vikings, of course, they're playing together. And of course, the Vikings actually do a good job. I think these two teams just hate me. Uh, Tony, are are the Vikings good? Like I ask you this question every week, and I I haven't stopped I haven't stopped asking you because are are they? I I still don't know because we got to the point where the they're first, the Raiders like, of the AFC. They're the Raiders of the NFC. Like we... pretty much, it was like okay. So the first maybe four or five weeks, we were like, you know, the Vikings are way better than the record shows. This is a team that's barely lost a couple games. They could be really good. And then there was like maybe two or three weeks where we were like. That whole saying where you're better than your record shows does have an expiration date. Maybe this team's not actually that good and they've deserved to lose these games. And now they come out and they beat the Chargers and they have a good performance and Kirk Cousins looked good. Defense looked good. They made Justin Herbert look pretty bad, which up until this point only really Bill Belichick and the Patriots had really done. Uh no, oh, I I don't I don't know. The Vikings are just such a hit or miss team. They can come out and beat pretty much anybody on any week and lose to pretty much anybody in any week from what I can tell. Granted, any team can do that as we have seen from this year. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but this Vikings team has the potential to be great. I also think that when Mike Zimmer stops calling screens, this team is a whole lot better. So maybe we saw some of that tonight and that was. Yeah, I think, I feel like Tony's partially making an observation, partially making a joke, because I think there have been moments in our group chat where I have all caps, why is Zimmer calling another screen? I think that the play call... So many, every week. Every week I do it, because every week, you know, I'm, I'm stuck living in... I, I live in Michigan. Not stuck living in Michigan, I should say, but I live in Michigan. Uh, I love Michigan. Uh, but <laughs> but just as a natural result of living in Michigan, like I see every single NFC North game practically. So every single weekend, I'm like watching the Vikings. I'm disappointed in the Vikings, and I'm just watching them throw screens. I'm tearing my hair out. And of course, of course, the one weekend, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm losing record picking the Chargers now for sure. Um, but the Oh, absolutely! One, one weekend, I pick the, I pick the Chargers and don't pick the Vikings. The team that I've rolled with, the team that the model has rolled with. You know who got this right? The model. The model always wins. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the model. Hey, that's good though, because in some way that does mean that you were right. Yeah, absolutely. Suppose Frankenstein's monster. Uh, I've yeah. created a monster that's better than me at my own job. <laughs> well, okay. I have a quick question for you. Actually, I, kind of jumping back yeah, to a different game. Uh, so with the Lions Steelers game, we both called Steelers to win. It was a tie. How do we how do we call that in the in the win loss sheet? Do we add a column? Yeah, we're gonna have to add a column. It's gonna be a okay. It's gonna take an hour of my life probably to to go okay, in and change cool. all the equations and stuff. But Forgot yeah. to ask about to ask you about that earlier. Good. No, good point. Um, the model it had the it had the Lions covering, so you know. <laughs> It always good job. <laughs> it always wins. I don't know what it is or how you did this, but you did it, and it works. I don't understand it. I don't know. 
if I understood it, it means that I'd be better at picking games. But anyway, um, speaking of uh, speaking of things, the model gets right. It got Eagles, Broncos right. I picked the Broncos because, of course, I picked the Broncos because they look so good against the Cowboys. And then they go back to being the Broncos when they need them to not be the Broncos. Uh, that defensive unit that I was praising that would be able to slow the Eagles. Yeah, no. <laughs> better luck next time. The Eagles, they won this one 30 to 13. Uh, Bridgewater had a chance to tackle. I believe an 80 yard reset, uh, fumble touchdown return. He just decided not to tackle the dude and the dude broke free right past him. Took, took it to the house. Tony, the Broncos are five and five. Like every team in the AFC has a chance to make the playoffs, but I think the Broncos are kind of another one of those teams that they really are on the outside looking in. Well, hey, Teddy B made what we like to call a business decision. He's trying to keep his career. What little of it. I mean, the last time he, he didn't make a business decision, he got knocked out in the turf and was his last game as a Viking, I think. So I can see where the uh, he, he's a little hesitant there. He definitely should have tried a little bit harder. I do. I think, I think I saw him try to poke the ball out with one single finger as the guy ran by. So, you know, I guess there was something there. He did something. But other than that, he pretty much just stood on the sidewalk and let the cars drive by. So I think if you're the Broncos, you're done. If you're the Eagles, I don't think you're much better. But I think the Broncos just Broncoed. They live to lose these games. So these this, uh, this quote-unquote elite defense that we cited and have been citing pretty much all year has disappointed once again the one week that we pick against them was the Cowboys and then they go ahead and beat the Cowboys and now we're like oh finally this is the team that we talked about so highly for so long and then they go and blow it to the Eagles of course of all things so I don't know what to make of the Broncos I've just decided that whatever I pick they will do the opposite and with the Eagles I think they're actually a little bit better team than uh, I originally thought they were I think they're a little bit better than the record shows four and six Jalen Hurts is not that bad of quarterback he's pretty accurate I do actually kind of like him uh, I think that he is underrated just because he is a Costco brand, uh, Lamar Jackson, essentially at Costco by a very slight margin. He's actually pretty comparable to him. So I do think that this Eagles team is actually not that bad. So this loss isn't terrible for the Broncos, but it's just another loss that's going to prevent. I do like to comp to Lamar, but I actually think he's a Costco brand Tyler Murray. I think he's a little bit more accurate than Lamar is. So I mean, maybe maybe the numbers will prove me wrong, but I think my initial yeah, actually, I think I I think I do actually like him at, to Kyler a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, my my comp in the draft was Kyler Murray, um, you know, because everybody cares about my comp in the draft. Uh, but anyway, the Eagles are four and six; they're tenth in the playoffs. They are they you know they trail the the Falcons four and five, Vikings four and five, the Panthers five and five. Panthers are currently sitting in the seventh spot. How are we still a playoff team? I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, the the Falcons. You know, I would assume that they're going to start losing more games. The Eagles have uh, the head-to-head win over them, I believe. So the Falcons, you know, the Falcons had an earlier bye, so the Eagles could quite easily catch them. And then the Vikings, as we talked about, are a living, breathing, just contradiction. Like, they contradict themselves every single week by being really good and then being really bad. So do you think that they can actually make a playoff push? Like, is it crazy to, to picture the Eagles as a playoff caliber team? I think if you are an AFC team right now and you have four or more wins, you're in the playoff conversation just because the AFC is such a menagerie of weirdness. Like any team can win on any weekend and lose on any weekend. And that's obviously the motto of the NFL any given Sunday. But this AFC is truly unpredictable and there's not really that many clear cut 
dominant teams. Like the NFC is so top heavy with clear teams that are going to make the playoffs. That's not happening in the AFC. There's a lot of teams that are just on the fringe right now, and there could be any assortment. We still have no idea. So I do think that they, as crazy as it sounds, they are four and six, but they are in the playoff conversation with a couple of luck. Yeah, I had them finishing at seven and nine, and I actually think they're probably going to exceed expectations there. And on the note of exceeding expectations, I present to you the Carolina Panthers, who I thought they would get shellacked by the Cardinals. I saw that Colt McCoy was coming in, and uh, the Cardinals would be without DeAndre Hopkins, and I still thought that the Cardinals would probably shellack the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers, you know, they laughed at me by being a walking, talking contradiction, much like the Vikings, and they decided to win 34-10 to 10 on the road. P.J. Walker had, didn't have a great game. He went 22-29, of 29, 167 yards, just one interception. Um, but he played pretty good considering that he's a backup, and he played pretty good considering that the Cardinals have a horrible defense. Uh, but the, the story of the day really was Cam Newton – uh, for Panthers fans, at least, I know Tony will probably push back on that. He went three or four for eight yards, yes, but he had a touchdown. And in his first play back, in his second stint with the Panthers, uh, you know, he did have a rushing touchdown just of a couple yards, I believe, no more than two or three. Um, on the total, on the day total, he didn't actually do that much, but, you know, he did score 14 points. So I think that you can't really set aside his contribution to the game entirely. Uh, what's the takeaway here, Tony? Because it's so lopsided, you don't actually have the starting quarterback if you're the Cardinals or your best wide receiver, is there actually a takeaway here? The Panthers kind of get a lucky break and, you know, make a put and they're going to make, be able to make a playoff push because of a Kyle. Uh, I don't, I don't think that they are outside of the playoff conversation, but I think being, being an NFC team, it's so much more difficult because there are so many more teams that are so much better than in the AFC. Philip Walker played about as you would expect from a backup. I can't really, you know, he was accurate except for the interception. He was 22 of 29 for 167. So he wasn't getting that many yards, but that's kind of to be expected. Cam Newton, I really, I'm obviously he only played a couple plays. He only had a little bit of time to practice. So they only put him in for what he was comfortable with. I understand that you can't fault the guy for not playing that much. He's new to a whole new system since he left. So three of four for eight yards and a touchdown. And then he had some rushing three rushes for 14 yards and a touchdown. I'm not, I wasn't impressed by anything I saw tonight and I don't think I'm going to be impressed by anything. Cam Newton does as an, as an objective kind of looking in through the snow globe uh, fan that doesn't really have an allegiance to Carolina or Cam Newton in any way. I don't think that them signing Cam Newton is really going to do anything for this team. It's just a flashy move. At the end of the day, he's not been very good for the past like four years now. He was really bad last year, so I don't think that changes that much uh, in in this new system. I do think that he has shown he can actually run a little bit still. I thought he might be getting a little old. He might be slowing down a little bit. He looked at least like he was willing to keep trying as much as ever. So, you know, good on him for continuing to do that. I don't know how much longer that's going to last for just because of age. The Cardinals, I'm not really worried about them just because Kyler Murray is going to be a huge difference maker for you, of course. Then DeAndre Hopkins, of course, your number one receiver, arguably number two receiver in the entire NFL. Another huge thing for you. So I'm not terribly concerned if I'm the Cardinals, but this is why I said the Cardinals are not going to win the Super Bowl. Because, yeah, sure, they were the best team, quote-unquote best team, for the first six games or whatever, but it's not sustainable, and this team's not built to go for that long. Yeah, so I think that, um, one, I think you owe me and the Panthers an apology because you said that they would not win past their, their first game at the Falcons again, like in the rest of the season. Like, I believe you said they would go. Which you agreed to. 
I agreed. No, I said there are winnable games. I said that there is absolutely a probability and a possibility. But I said that, you know, they have the Dolphins, the Falcons, and the football team in this stretch where you said they'd go winless. Like, I honestly, I said that there were opportunities, like the possibility existed, but that they were probably going to win at least one. I made that claim back when we thought that the Dolphins were going to be good and the football team is going to be good. Uh, I think we would both agree that this was not a winnable game that either one of us saw, as we both predicted this week, that the Cardinals would win. So I don't think that this one necessarily counts against me that much just because this was fluky. Uh, I don't think this is... Oh, that's cherry-picking. You're cherry-picking. Well, okay, you're the, you also agreed that when we did this, you're like, oh, yeah, Panthers are going to get waxed here. This is a, this is the score I expected, just the wrong teams, essentially. Uh, so I think that <laughs> I, I think that yeah. the Panthers would not win this game. Uh, I, I know they wouldn't win this game if Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins were in. I don't think they win this game You know, out of 100 times. I don't think they win it more than maybe 20. So they won this one, which is all that matters, but... Uh, going forward, I do think that they can beat the Dolphins, and I do think that they can beat the football team just because those teams are both not as good, even though the football team might be coming back. I know the Dolphins are trash, but the football team might be coming back. So that one might be tough. But other than that, I do think that you still have a very difficult stretch. You won't win many games. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they won a game in November. Like, I feel like that that should be the end of the discussion, and you should give me an apology. As, oh, we have a caller. Excellent. Hey Tom, so I gotta ask you, do you want to see Cam Newton as a starter? Oh, that's a really good question. You put me in a you put me in a bit of a tough spot. Um, the fan part of me said go for it. Like, wh- what do we have to lose? We're five and five, and if we play PJ Walker, Tony's probably right, and we're going to lose to the Buccaneers, Saints, Buccaneers trio that we have to end the season and, and just add the Bills onto that. We'll probably go zero and four if we have PJ Walker. So you know. It's boom or bust time. Like, let's boom or bust, and let's go all in on Cam Newton because, you know, he's the face of the franchise. I bought a poster of him and, and hung it on my wall before the Panthers actually signed him again. So so let's go for it. Um, as the analyst, as the analyst, I've said that Cam Newton should probably not be a starting quarterback, should be a backup quarterback, um, and that he's more of a gadget player. But I know that the Panthers – um, front office have said that they plan on giving him a chance to win the starting job in 2022. So we could actually see Sam Darnold never play another snap if this goes right for Cam. So I say go for it just to find out what you have because you paid $10 million for him. You might as well figure out if he's worth that million dollars. Uh, any, and uh, anyway, uh, so Tony, I'm kind of surprised you didn't get the Panthers apology because they helped out your Green Bay Packers so much today. By beating the Cardinals, the, they gave the Packers, who were able to beat the, the Seattle Seahawks in, in a bit of a miserable game, 17-0, um, the tiebreaker because obviously the Packers have the head-to-head and they brought the the Cardinals back after uh, the Aaron Rodgers' absence against the Chiefs. So, you know, what's your takeaway from Seattle Green Bay? Are you chalking up this lackluster performance by Aaron Rodgers to Rust? And if, you know, if, if so, do you agree that Russell Wilson has the same problem? Uh, I think Russ Heck definitely gets more credit his way. I mean, he is still playing with an injury in those in the pregame warmup. He wasn't quite gripping the ball, and like Campbell alluded to earlier, weather was a factor here. It was snowing. It started snowing again during the game. It was cold. All those factors, when you combine them with, you know, he's still not 100% on that finger. He's still not able to grip the ball quite like he usually can. Uh, I also think he just made some dumb decisions chucking up that second interception 
where he just took it and just went for it in the end zone in double coverage was not a good idea. The first one wasn't a good idea either, but like if he just makes some better decisions, which is not something that I thought I would have to say for Russell Wilson, he had a 50% completion percentage, 161 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers also made a very dumb decision. He kind of pulled him a Holmes and just chucked one up off his back leg into like triple coverage. So I don't quite understand why he did that. I don't normally he wouldn't do that, but he got 292 yards, at least on the night. AJ Dillon was our big monster. Now that Aaron Jones is presumably going to be out for a decent amount of time, they're initially diagnosing it as an MCL sprain, not quite a tear yet. So there is a chance that he comes back at some point before the postseason but he was in tears as he left the blue tent. So it, it wasn't a good analysis from what they heard. They must have left it open to the possibility of a tear. We'll get more information on that later, I'm sure. I'm not worried about the Packers. I think, you know, Rodgers coming back after COVID. We saw what COVID did to Cam Newton, actually, just to come off of that. Cam started sucking after he had COVID. He That was kind of his, uh, his cutoff time, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a, a noticeable uh, statistical drop in, in both rushing and pass. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that we're going to see that from Rodgers. I think we might see that for like like today. Uh, just, you know, kind of working through it, getting back into game day mode. He essentially had a bye week. Uh, so usually as a Packers fan, I know that we tend to do terrible after a bye week. So I think that he's going to get back into it. Being actually in practice for the next week is going to help him tremendously, I'm sure. So I think that there's not too much to worry about with Rodgers here. I think he is pretty far outside of the MVP conversation if that was still on the run-in, uh, even after all these other quarterbacks had pretty bad performances. So I think that he's out on that, but I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about this team. This defense has been playing lights out. Kevin King had an interception tonight, and he didn't do anything stupid, so that was awesome. Yeah, no. he redeemed, Did he redeem himself? Oh, no, absolutely not. He would have to do that. He would have to have that performance 100 times to even get me to consider thinking of him as a decent cornerback in the NFL. But that is neither here nor there. Yeah, I didn't think so. I know you're not a huge Kevin King fan. Um, all right, before we go, it just kicked off, I believe, or is about to shortly. Chiefs, uh, Raiders, no, Chiefs at Raiders, I believe it. Yes, it's Chiefs at Raiders. It's a big game in Las Vegas. It could actually, with the Chargers losing, determine who's leading the AFC West, if you can believe that after the start that the Chiefs had. Uh, Tony, are you still leading Raiders? Yes, I'm still going with the Raiders. I don't think the Chiefs are a good team. Okay, I mean, we gave our reasons why on a prior episode, so go check them out, but I'm going to roll with the Chiefs. I think that the Raiders' offense is limited with Henry Rokes being gone. There's nobody really to take the top off, and that's going to be a huge problem for the Raiders. We kind of saw that against the Giants, but because I need your clicks, please go listen to that prior episode. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, I'll never say no to a view. Exactly. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next weekend when we break down what I'm hoping is another equally entertaining Week 11. See you guys. Night, everybody.